Amen. I'm glad we serve the God who's the giver of life. Amen. Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth or mad, upset, and went away and said, Behold, I thought, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He had leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Our subject this morning is simply one word, again. You may be seated. Philippians chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11, Paul writing to the church at Philippi said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. The uniqueness of believing in Jesus Christ is found and couched in those scriptures. Resurrection power. That we can know him in the power of his resurrection. As you look around this world, the disciplines of various faiths They resonate with different cultures. All of them focus on a life that supposedly benefits from philosophical guidances. The question that remains for each faith that is not Christ-centered is simply this. What do I do when my world falls apart? What is my response to utter despair. Subscribing to a series of self-help books does not help when myself has been ravaged by rampant sin. Where is the reset button of Islam? It is couched in martyrdom. Where is the resurrection of the Baha'i? 
It is centered on utopia communities. Where is the resurrection of Hinduism, Judaism, and Shintoism? They are all belief mechanisms that subscribe to rigorous rituals without a resurrection. Buddhism and Jainism have no resurrection power. There is only one that rose from the dead. And his name is Jesus. And we just sang about it. I'm glad today that I can stand before you and preach without fear. But with tremendous amount of favor. That there is only one. That can restore your life again from the ruins. And raise it like a phoenix coming from its ashes. And his name is Jesus Christ. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. There is none else. But the resurrection, my friend, is more than just bragging rights. It is more than just... My God is bigger than your God. This resurrection power transcends more than just the person and becomes a principle. A principle that is forever established. That principle is contained within the DNA of our faith. It is an element of our God That gives us the power to be restored. The power to be recreated. We not only serve the creator. We serve the one who recreates. And the reason that no other religion has the power of the resurrection. Is because no other religion has the power of the creator. That's why I'm glad to know the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. Because if Jesus is God and he is. He not only created me. But he has the power to recreate me. Maybe some of you do not need recreation power. You've done everything right from the moment you were born. But I would challenge you from scripture that even the Bible says we are all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We still need a God that can cleanse us. We still need a God that can wash us as white as snow. We still need a God that can wash us so that our flesh is clean again. We still need a God that can breathe into our lives and into our homes and our families and renew and restore and revive. And his name is Jesus. And he can do it again. Think about these words, restore, renew, revive, replenish. The process that begins this is repent. The prefix re, R-E, just simply means again. Again. At the heart of the resurrection of Christ, 
And at the heart of resurrection power, that is not limited to just Christ. But Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. This flesh that you and I live with, this flesh that you and I struggle with, it can be clean again. Again. At the heart of all the resurrection power is simply the word again. He can make it all brand new again. He can reset it all again. He can bring joy again. There is no God like Jesus that can do it all again. We had life and now we have life again. Is there any body that's better equipped to give you life again? Than the one who gave you life initially. You see, but if you don't believe you came from God. If you believe you came from some cosmic accident. If you believe you used to be an amoeba swimming around out here in the Atlantic Ocean. That jumped on the land and crawled around and grew a tail and jumped in a tree. And it doesn't give you any sense of comfort. For me to tell you about a God. That can deliver you from the sins of your life and wash your skin and flesh and soul and spirit and cleanse you so that it's all brand new again. But if you believe that you were created in the image of God, then my friend, do you believe that the creator lost his power to create when you were born? Not so, my friend. Creation is happening all around us every day but not just creation recreation that's what i love about my god he recreates he does it all over again the joy of a new birth the miracle of a new birth my friend that miracle is not just lost on the infancy of your natural life but now you have a chance to be born again that's what he told nicodemus you gotta be born again he said how can i enter into my mother's womb he said oh i'm not talking about flesh and blood i'm not talking about your mother's womb i'm talking about being born again in your spirit and in your heart and in your life he can make it all brand new again i'm so thankful that god gave me an again If God's giving you a second chance, you ought to lift your voice and lift your hands and thank the creator. He caught the robo shot. If I have a Sears washing machine that breaks... I take it back to Sears. I don't take it to Walmart. Who better to fix it than the people who manufactured it? Who better to save my soul than the one who made my soul? 
I got no interest in climbing a mountain in India or China to find some guy with a long beard that needs a bath wearing sandals to tell me about transcendental meditation. He didn't create me. I got no interest in going to some philosophy that never redeemed me. I got only one hope and one desire, and that's to fall at the feet of a loving Messiah and Savior that delivered me from us. There ought to be joy in the camp of God's people for a Savior that can do it all again. Jesus. Who better to give me a new start and to give you a new start than the one who gave me the start to begin with? Sin, no doubt, has the ability to dismantle an individual because of its constant nature. It does not knock once and then leave. My friend, sin is a persistent stranger. We get worn down by the continual attack. An attack that can be subtle, but yet it is constant. And it can wear down anyone or anything. I have watched small puddles of water develop in coastal shorelines where massive boulders and rocks are shaped by a tide that splashes and then drifts back from whence it came. The continual coming of that water does more then just neutralize the strength of that rock. It shapes it. It reforms it. It creates holes and forms. Sin has a similar personality. It keeps on coming. It keeps on splashing. But yet the Bible says, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. The question for you and I today is how do we gain a superior position when we have sin coursing through our DNA, when we have sin in our culture and in our society? How do we gain a superior position? We must have the power of again. We must have the power to live again. The Messiah presentation cannot be just a story about a man who died on a cross and went to a grave and was put in a tomb and the stone rolled away and the man was raised again on the third day. We have to understand that that resurrection power must be present in our life on a daily basis. It can't be a story of 2,000 years ago. You got to find that resurrection power for yourself you got to find what it is to be washed in his blood and baptized in his spirit so that you can stand up on your feet again after a drastic mistake and say I will live again I will live again I will worship God again I, I will rejoice again you need the power of again 
again, again, again. Power to walk again. The power to talk again. The power to see again. Ladies and gentlemen, the power of Jesus' ministry was the resurrection. It was, even throughout his life, the restoration. His works, his miracles were all about the power of again. It didn't even start with the resurrection. Even before that, he would heal the sick and they were healthy again. He could heal the blind eyes and they could see again. He could heal the lame and they could walk again. I remember when my three-year-old daughter was born. She had trouble breathing and they put her in the neonatal care unit. And they said, we're going to have to work with her in an incubator to try to get her lungs to open up and to receive and to receive and process oxygen coming in and out. That whole process, those blood corpuscles that lay as a bed of spaghetti underneath the lungs that are dormant while the baby is in the womb, they have to open up and they have to start processing, pushing and opening as the lungs come in, the blood taking it from those corpuscles and veins and spreading it through the body. That process of bringing air in and processing the oxygen back through the body. All of that that has to take place was not functioning properly in my daughter. And when I begin to trust in the doctors because they are so competent and what an incredible job they do and the nurses that work in the Neil Care unit, angels of mercy. And I had seen them work when my twins were born, the boys that were born nine years ago. When they were born a month early, I watched them work for a week and restore those two boys to health so that they came out healthy and they've been healthy ever since. I trusted in them. I trusted the doctors and the nurses. And one day and two days and three days and little Sophia was still in the hospital. And finally, we got word that she wasn't improving. And word came that they may have to transfer her over to the children's hospital, Arnold Palmer Hospital in Orlando. And my wife was distraught. And I said, honey, I've been here sleeping on this chair for two days with you in the hospital, but I got to go home. I knew I had to get hold of God. And I went home and I started praying. And I said, God, you're the creator. You're the God who can do it all over again. And as I began to pray, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to know something. I breathed on her the first time and I will breathe on her again again begin to give me just a lesson on how it works he said doctors and nurses though what they do is incredible he said they can only try to restore the body back to where it was supposed to be originally they can't create all they can do is try to get the body back even when you go and you get treatment. All they're trying to do is try to get the body back to a place where it will heal itself 
again. All of the healing that you and I need is still within the body and the creator who created this body. When I went back to that hospital the next day, they said something happened in the middle of the night. She is fine. We'll release her tomorrow. And I told my wife, it's because of a God that breathed on our daughter once again. I don't know what you may be going through, but I tell you today in the boldness of the Holy Ghost that you serve a God that can do it all over again. Again, he'll breathe on your life with the power of his spirit and restore your soul again. Again. When our Lord healed people of leprosy, he reversed the destructive deterioration of the disease. This slow death was reversed. Now, instead of deterioration, there is restoration. If you were to look at the spiritual, symbolic nature of the disease of leprosy, it is a type of sin. The prefix D, D-E means to remove or to separate from destructive deterioration disease it separates you from your creator but god through his resurrection power reconnects us by renewing our minds and restoring our bodies The re neutralizes the D. Nobody but Jesus can do this because nobody else has resurrection power. Sin wants to separate you from the body. Sin wants to separate you from your destiny. Sin wants to separate you from physical and spiritual health. But I serve a God that can reconnect and restore and revive all over again. Hallelujah. See, you don't have resurrection power unless you are... The originator. Resurrection is creation again. What leprosy could stop or stay the anointed hand of Jesus when he put his hand upon their bodies? Eyes were created where there were empty sockets. Leprosy that eats away at extremities. Hands that were withered, arms that were curled up from this terrible disease under the touch of an anointed God, manifest in flesh. Jesus, arms would stretch forth and hands would stretch forth and fingers and toes would grow again. The skin that was hardened and calloused by the disease of leprosy would become soft again like the skin of a baby in second kings chapter 5 we read about a man by the name of naaman he was the captain of the syrian 
army. He was the leader of the most powerful army in the world at that time. He also had leprosy. They were just called lepers. They were separated from the rest of the community because of the contagious nature of the disease. And yet this man was a powerful man. Not sure what to do. He was the leader of the army. But he had a disease that he could not conquer with his army. That he could not conquer with his training. That he could not conquer with his... He had a debilitating disease that was destroying him. But he had a little maid. Little lady. Just a servant in the house. She'd been captured. When they had war against the Israeli nation. She was from Israel. And she got to talking to Naaman's wife, her boss. I'm so sorry about what Master Naaman's having to go through. But you know what? There's a prophet in my homeland, in Israel. And he heals people of leprosy. A couple of nights later, I can just see Naaman's wife telling her husband, Honey, I know... This leprosy is destroying you day by day. I wish I could help you. I don't know what to do. King of Syria doesn't know what to do. Your armies stand ready to fight, but they don't know who to throw a spear at. It's within your own flesh. But you know our maid? Yeah. You know she's from Israel, yeah. She says that there's a man in her country that is a prophet. And he can, he can heal people of leprosy. Yeah. I've heard stories like that before. What does it hurt to try, honey? All right, I'll talk to the king about it. I can see Naaman going to the king. Oh, king? Yeah. How's your leprosy? Not good. Since you brought it up, let me mention something to you. I have a little maid that's in our house, and she's from Israel. We captured her on that last raid we did, and she's, she's proved to be a pretty good servant in our household. She's friends with my wife. She said that there's a prophet that's in Israel that could... Uh, Save my life. You think it's possible we could inquire about this person? The king said, I'll look into it. I'll take care of it. Sorry you're having to go through this. Why don't you take a couple more weeks off? Go down there by the ocean. Get some of those mineral salts. Do what you can to try to comfort your body. We got things taken care of here. Well, I'd rather just hang around town. I'd like to see what happens. And and if you don't mind putting this at the top of your priority list, you know I've been loyal to you. I I just need some hope. I need something. All right, I'll take care of it. Name it. So the king writes a letter to the king of Israel. Sends him this letter and says, I I heard that you can cure leprosy. And I've sent a gift there. I've got a little gift I want to give you. The Bible says it was 10 talents of silver, talents of of measure, and it was 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of raiment. Pay attention to a letter when it comes in with 6,000 pieces of gold attached to it. The king took it and looked it over and got the letter and saw the gifts. And Naaman had accompanied the letter. He was out there outside the gate with his men. Oh, king, yeah. We got this special package for you. FedEx trucks pulls up. Drops it off. They start bringing in the gold, the silver. 
king reads the letter. By the way, Naaman, Naaman feared throughout all the land. He's out there with some of his guys. They're looking for you to cure his leprosy. The king panicked. And when you read what he said, verses 6 and 7, brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant, and that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter, he rent his clothes. He literally starts to rip his clothes in anguish, upset. Am I God, he says, to kill and to make alive? In other words, who does he think I am? I can't heal him of leprosy. I didn't create him. Even people that aren't right with God know this is true. He panics. He thinks it's some kind of a setup. This man doth sin unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, how he seeketh a quarrel against me. He's trying to trick me. He's asking me to do something I can't do. Let me ask you a question, my friend. Why do you look to the government to solve what only God can solve for you? Your solution is not in this world. I'm thankful I live in America. But the White House can't save me. Congress can't save me. The maid said there's a prophet in the land. And they went to the king. They went to the government. And was in the man of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the cure for the ills of society is repentance. Baptism in Jesus' name. There's no economic policy. There's no destruction of another nation that's ever going to get us where we need to be. It's when people get on their knees. It gets back to the word of God. That's where our hope is as an individual, as a church, as a family, and as a country. Because you got to have resurrection power. The king knew he didn't have it. Government doesn't have it. And my friend, you and I don't stand a chance against sin unless you have resurrection power. You cannot help yourself or anybody else unless you have resurrection power. This maid had pointed them in the right direction. But maybe it was lost in translation from her to the wife to Naaman to the king to the servants to the FedEx man. Maybe it got lost in translation. But whatever it was, it went to the wrong address. And the king was so miserable, ripping his clothes and throwing a temper tantrum in the palace. That the word spread out throughout all the kingdom. The king is distraught. The king has lost his marbles. And it made its way down to that little hamlet, that little house where the little prophet lived. Servant said, hey, have you heard the news? No. I just went on the internet and... I, f- I found out that the king is, is, is going crazy. He's 
ripping his clothes. He won't meet with anybody. His staff, nobody knows what to do with him. He's convinced the king of Syria is picking a fight with him. Why? Because they sent this man, Naaman. You know Naaman? Yeah. He's the captain of the host of that, that Syrian army, that mean army, that, that army that dismembers people and takes off their arms and legs and puts them in wooden bamboo cages and parades them in front of other nations to destroy their, their morale so that they can just walk in. That's what Josephus said that Syrian army used to do. They were an army of intimidation and fear. That's how sin operates. He said, he's got leprosy and the king of Syria sent him a big gift, said he could cure him of leprosy and he knows he can't cure him of leprosy and he thinks the king of Syria is picking a fight with him. He's for sure there's going to be a battle. He's not sure what to do about it. He's going crazy. And Elisha said, tell him to send Naaman over here. I, I, I know what he needs to do. So word gets down and it travels down and the king, oh king, oh king. They try to keep him from pulling his hair out. What is it? There, there's, a, there's a prophet. You know Elisha? Yes, I know Elisha. He said he can help you with your problem. Really? Yeah, he knows what Naaman needs to do. He does? See, when you've got resurrection power, it doesn't even just stay with you. It flows out and over. And people know you're different. Because what would have destroyed them has been in your life, but it hasn't destroyed you. They may not tell you, but they've been watching. Well, send him down there. I remember when I was in Bible school, I was so bored in class one day, 30 years ago, 30 years ago this month, they said, we want you guys to do a project on characters. And they gave me naming. So I was sitting in class one day and I was bored and I wrote a song about naming to the tune of the Beverly Hillbillies. And recently on Facebook, one of my classmates from Bible school reminded me of that. He said, you remember that song that you wrote about naming? They said, we've never forgot that. I said, you know what? I'd forgotten about that. But I'll give you a few bars this morning. Naaman was a man, captain of the Syrian host. He was a man of valor, but that's not the most. The man had leprosy. It bothered him day and night. He wished he could be healed before he lost his might. Well, his armies had gone out and captured a maid to wait on his wife. She was more like a slave. But this little girl told Naaman's wife, a prophet from Israel could save his life. And I presented it to the class. I sang it. My teacher was so happy. She was smiling. And I had my friend backing me up on an acoustical guitar. And I went through the entire song singing all the verses and telling the story of Naaman. And everybody was smiling and feet were stomping. And I got to the last line. And the mischievous part of my nature came out. And I concluded the song in front of my religious education class in seminary school by saying this. And when he came up for the seventh time, his skin was as soft as a baby's behind. (laughs) And my teacher was mad. She went and grabbed the guitar out of my buddy's hand. 
she said, you're to change that last line or I'm going to give you an F. I went back to my room and I tried to think of a different line. My buddies all said, you can't change it for the principle of it. For all the songwriters of America that should have creative license. Stand your ground. Said, I'm the one that's going to get an F. But as I tried to change it, nothing else would fit. Nothing else would work. Nothing else was inspired. I went back to her and I said, ma'am, I have tried everything, but I just don't know what else would fit. She said, David, I'm so ashamed of you. I said, well, if it's any consolation, they recorded the song. They played it for Brother Narse. He's the president of the school. He likes it. (laughs) She said, I'll have a talk with him. When I got my grade, it was an A. (laughs) I was reminded of that as I studied Naaman and And I saw that once again, the Bible says that his flesh came again. Like the flesh of a little child. You see, at first he didn't want to do it. Because he went to visit little Elisha's house. And Elisha, he wasn't even courteous enough to come to the door. He sent his servant. Naaman was used to a royal welcome. He was used to them rolling out the carpet. Surely this prophet would see this man and would recognize who he is and his importance. And he would come out and wave his hand about and he would have some sort of a magic spell he would put over him. See, my friend, when you have the resurrection power of God in you, you can just live life with a quiet confidence. You don't have to engage in all of the rituals and formalities that this world tries to find comfort in. No, I don't have to burn incense. I don't have to hang a crystal from my rearview mirror. I got resurrection power. I can tell you what you got to do. You got to repent of your sins. You got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I thought, Pastor, it would be something hard. I I thought I'd have to go into a 12-step program. I thought I'd have to climb a mountain on my kneecaps. Walk over hot coals with bare feet. No. Just come to the altar this morning. Bow a knee of humility. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me as white as snow. I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Because that name is where healing, restoration, power comes from. And then say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Do it all over again. Oh, the king was mad. He was on his horse, his high horse, even emotionally. He was headed home, and his servant came up next to him and said, King, if you would have been asked to do something great, if they would have told you to go conquer a city, if they would have told you to to go and bring back the scalps of a hundred Philistines, you would have done it. But this is something really simple. Sometimes we miss the simplicity of the gospel, thinking it's got to be something hard. What does it hurt? All right, I'll try. Well, we got to go by the Jordan River on the way home. Let's try it. So he goes by the Jordan River. 
Why don't we stop? Okay. He goes in there, dips down the water, comes up. Ah, still, I knew it wouldn't work. Starts to climb out of the water. No, no, no. Remember he said you have to do it seven times. Watch this. Just dip again. One more time. He goes back out. All right. I'm here. Dips down the water again. Comes up. There's still nothing here. I knew this was all. I'm, I'm being humiliated in front of my own staff. Just do it again. Three times, four times. I'm getting tired of this. Remember he said seven just go down again. You say, Pastor, I appreciate your message, but I've been to the altar. Just go again. I've been prayed for before. I've had oil anointed on my head. I've sought for the Holy Ghost. Just do it again. Finally, on that seventh time, when he comes up out of the water, his skin is clean and fresh. And the Bible gives us this detail that I think is so important. It was like the flesh of a newborn child. I think there's so much in that. That is more than just a descriptive account of the condition of his skin. I think it's this principle that God can bring it back to where it was originally. You know, folks, when we try to solve things on our own, we may get past it, but we deal with the lasting results of it. But the power of our Creator... The redemptive power of Jesus Christ is that he can do it all over again so that it literally resets it back to its original position. Who else but Jesus can do that? No king, no government, no other religion, no other discipline of faith. It's all in Jesus. Why don't you give him one more try. Say. Why don't you step out from where you're seated? Why don't you come down to this altar? Why don't you gather down here? Why don't you ask the Lord to once again 
touch your life. If you need a healing in your body, I encourage you to come right up front to the altar and we'll pray for you once again. If you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, but you've sought for it, I want you to come one more time. Once again, dip down in the Jordan River. I feel the anointing of the Lord here. God himself has given this altar call. Why don't you come again? You can't get to the altar. Maybe you can find a place to pray on these pews. But before you leave this morning, I believe once again, once again, God's people need to gather together. Once again, you got to come together. Once again, you got to go before the throne. Once again, you got to cry out to Jesus. In the name of the Lord. Make this flesh clean once again.